Welcome to this extra episode that focuses on a topic that is especially relevant as we work our way through the COVID-19 crisis. In this conversation, we are exploring trauma, the polyvagal theory, and how our social context is part of how we regulate our nervous systems. Elaine Duncan shares with us her perspective on recognizing the lingering trauma that many carry, how our current conditions put us more in touch with this usually buried away experience, and how the current conditions are the source of new trauma. You already know that our medicine can be very helpful in treating a person's shun. Now, more than ever, you'll be wanting to attend to that aspect of your patients. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one 
practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. A special thanks to all you Cheologicians who help to support the podcast. Your membership helps me to bring these extra podcasts to our community. If any of you out there are working with loss, grief, frozen emotions, or the resurfacing of trauma, you're going to find this conversation to be very helpful. Elaine Duncan, welcome back to Geological. Thank you. Love being on Geological. I love having you on Geological. You know, you were on last year, and uh, recently we did a thing with Lhasa. We all got to be together again with a, a panel discussion, and... The fun thing about that discussion is so many different kind of points of view came up and out. We were primarily talking about life during COVID and what we're doing here and how we're facing it. And one of the things that I find so interesting about the work that you do with Chinese medicine, with polyvagal theory, all this cool neurobiology that you work with and the way the brain works and our nervous system works. And and in particular, what's got my attention is how our social context, our social milieu, in a way, is, is part of our nervous system. We are social animals. And we're built to be social. And we're living in a time with, quote, social distancing, which is like the second worst term in the world. And it's affecting us deeply. And you were talking about how it's bringing up old traumas for people as well as creating new traumas. I want to go into that. And I also want to just cast this out as a a thread for us to follow about the vast importance of our social network and how we can use that with our Chinese medicine and be attentive to that for helping other people and helping ourselves through this particular time that we're in. Yeah. 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 This is, this is a perfect conversation for us to be having, Michael, because it's just so critically important. There's sort of this duality going on where there's this sense of, um, of threat that's amorphous, insidious, invisible. And so we can neither orient to it. It's not like we're, um, there's a golf ball heading for our head and we can, you know, find it, you know, our hand can find the vector of direction and the speed and recognize it and know how to either move our head or get our hand in the way. We can't Mm -hmm. do that with this, with this virus. It's invisible to us. So the sense of life threat is pervasive and constant. And lack of ability to have control. We have no control. There's no manageability. And I would step out on a limb and say that the, the, well, First off, let me say that the things that are manageable, 
the things like recognizing the movement of seasons, the mm. movement of the sun through the sky, the beans that are sprouting in your garden, you know, those, those things are regulating for us because they're predictable. The problem with COVID is that there's so little that's predictable other than the fear. And that lack of predictability. It, 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 it's consuming to us. So anyone, any one of us who lives with this sense of what I'm going to call inescapable attack. Mm -hmm. So this is anyone who's outside of the dominant power structure. So anybody, any person of color, many immigrants, many disabled people, all the isms, the, the, the homophobias and the, all, all the, all the, all of, all of those categories of people mm -hmm. who live with a sense of I'm threatened when I walk out of my home and anyone who experienced any kind of threat before they had a ventral vagus nerve that was fully developed. So that's before a year of age. So anybody who experienced a sense of threat at birth, cord around the neck, early surgery, uh, chemical exposure, coming into a family where there was a lot of abuse or drug addiction or violence, you know, those kinds of experiences are going to be highly triggered when there's another experience of inescapable attack. All right, here it comes again. So that's double-sided in our world because on the one hand, it feels intolerable. It's really challenging to navigate. And on the other hand, things that have been invisible, like those early traumas, that we put a nice thick callus over them in order to manage life, all of a sudden now are available for us to transform. So the healing, po the possibilities for profound, deep, and life-affirming transformation is really, is really like available to us now. The things that have shaped and controlled our destiny in some really important ways from early, early, early on are now available for us to serve serve transformation, serve sense of possibility. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a dire time and it's a magical time both. Mm -hmm. I, I like that phrase. It's a dire time and a magical time. When I hear you talk about how like the, we put a callus over those difficult experiences and now that callus is thinning. So there's a part of me that goes, Ooh, fantastic potential for transformative growth. Here's what I know about transformative growth. Buckle up. This is not going to be fun. I, you know, sometimes I see people on their website, they talk about, oh, you know, come in for a transformational experience. And I'm thinking, if I can avoid a transformational experience, I'd rather give it a detour. Transformation is not that fun, generally speaking. Not until it's over. Well, when it's over and there's a great sense of relief. So I'd love to hear from you how we can get through that transformation. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. I just know that it's a rough damn ride. Right, right. So the ride exists in, in a duality. <laughs> There's a, it's, it's basically in Chinese medicine, it's the kidney heart access. You know, mm -hmm. the, the fear belongs to the kidney. Mm -hmm. And in, in Western science, we'd say the fear, the overwhelming fear without a capacity to successfully orient to the threat 
because it's invisible and insidious and respond to it in an effective way, which is the function of the wood element, leaves the heart vulnerable to being penetrated and going into very high alarm. So the kidney signals fear and it, we first go through the pericardium and attempt relationship, but there's no relationship that will help here. Because you can't have a relationship with this thing. That's right. And then the heart gets penetrated and the heart says, all fire trucks in the kingdom need to go out at high speed. Like the whole kingdom needs to respond. We're, this is life threat. The whole kingdom needs to respond. So in Western terms, that's um, a high demand on the ventral vagus nerve, which is a branch of the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps to mitigate danger through relationship. It's the diplomatic aspect. It's like, how do you talk to your neighbor about the trash cans that they leave out on the curb for three days after trash pickup and stay in relationship? When our ventral vagus isn't well-developed in infancy and childhood, if it didn't get that sense of, a, of someone else to comfort us when we were hungry or we had a dirty diaper or we were anxious or afraid, our ventral vagus didn't, didn't develop. It, instead of using the, the ventral vagus to mitigate our sense of threat, which when we're an infant, we don't have it. When we're a little bit older, we have it a little bit better. But if we don't have that foundation of development, we will instead use our dorsal vagus at high tone, which governs the freeze response. I, I love this piece. This, this part of the neurobiology is so fascinating. And, and I love how you map it onto the heart-kidney access. It makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, that nerve runs through all these things. That's right. You're using some terms here that I think some of our listeners may not be that familiar with. So let's go into a little bit of basic biology, dorsal vagus, ventral vagus. What are, what are we talking about here? Okay. So the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. It, it leaves the brain uh, through the brain stem. It has two branches. It governs the whole parasympathetic nervous system. So without a parasympathetic system, then the sympathetic system, which is essentially the wood energy, the fight or flight wood energy, is going to be un, untempered. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have a parasympathetic that's functional, we're just going to be angry all the time and fighting all the time. So we desperately need that. So two branches, ventral vagus is only in primates, only in mammals and especially in primates, and it enervates the upper jaw. It enervates the the lung and the heart, and all the expressions that are available on the face, how the shen shines through the face. That's the ventral vagus nerve and the sparkle in the eyes and all of that that we know. That's the ventral vagus. That's the aspect of the parasympathetic nervous system that is used first by humans and is our most important mitigation of sympathetic arousal. And it's social in, in its function. It, it, absolutely. It's all about being able to be in relationship with people who are different from us. It's all the functions of the heart. You know, it's all about how the heart recognizes the oneness of humanity. It recognizes the heart in other people. It resonates for joy and love and laughter and connection and our capacity to live in a tribe. Be good at kindergarten tasks. You know, all of that belongs to the ventral vagus. 
<laughs> Good kindergarten task. Yeah. Can we hold hands when we walk across the street? Can we clean up our messes? Can we take a little nap in the afternoon? Yeah. Now, the dorsal vagus also has, has two aspects. When it's at low tone, then we can digest food. Our hormones send messages, appropriate messages to all our glands. We um, metabolize nutrients from, from food. We turn food from, uh, we turn food into chi, you know, instead of weight gain around the middle is one of the symptoms of uh, dysregulated dorsal vagus. So we, and, and trauma. So we want it at low tone and at high tone, it shuts off digestion and it turns off the heart. Like we use the, doesn't turn it off. It, it comes on board when the heart is feeling so threatened without an avenue for success to a, to a threat that it's the heart then becomes at risk of heart attack because it's beating so hard for so long. It needs to shut down. It needs to be shut down or slowed down. This is that freeze response. And that's the freeze response. So it's a helpful response if we fall off a ladder and our our neighbor isn't home and, and there's no one to hear our call for a few hours. We're going to conserve our energy, go into a freeze response, conserve our chi until someone can come and help us. And then... If they have a good ventral vagus, if they're kind and patient and helpful and competent, we'll get the care we need, a trip to the emergency room to set our broken leg, and we'll come back into regulation and, and we'll be able to heal. So the dorsal, high-tone dorsal vagus is, is part of our inboard healing response. We just don't want to live there. We don't want to become habituated to it. We don't want to live there on a permanent basis. Helpful in an emergency. Absolutely. Short term. Short term. Right. But the problem with inescapable attack is that we're, we, can't, we can't mitigate the threat with a successful mobilization. So we tend to, and this thing about, I prefer to call it physical distancing rather than social distancing. Me too. Because I think that it's so critically important for us to find ways to connect socially, even if it means through the internet, you know, through video conferencing like, like this, um, to be able to see someone's eyes, mm -hmm. you know, to hear a, a, a lilting tone of voice that signals safety and relationship instead of a do this first and then second do that. You know, like we need to hear these things from a human being who's speaking from their heart, from their ventral vagus. Or, or it's a talk over the fence with our neighbor about how the garden's doing. You know, we need those kinds of things, even if they're six feet apart and don't involve touch, which is necessary right now. We can have some kind of stroking of our ventral vagus nerve through the social engagement that we can't find. It seems really important. And one of the real problems with this whole COVID situation is that the very thing that will help us to turn off that dorsal vagus and bring on the ventral vagus is the very thing that we don't have access to. 
that is precisely the storm that we're living in, where there's tension at these two ends. There's the end of profound fear and reasonable fear that isn't getting mitigated through social engagement. Like ideally, so the ventral vagus nourishes the frontal cortex with the like the, the heart-mind connection. The, the dorsal vagus and the, the kidney governs the brain stem. So in an ideal world, we have enough neocortex, we have enough supreme controller on board that we can say to the brain stem, this is temporary. There are scientists who are doing marvelous work. What we're doing is for our own safety, but we've got this covered and we're going to get through this. Now, unfortunately, we don't currently have that kind of a voice in our national leadership that's helping us manage. We don't have a supreme controller that's regulated. And so that makes the situation even more difficult within the social milieu. That's right. That's right. So what can we do as practitioners to work with this? Especially if we can't, well, I, I guess people are putting their hands on people now. Things are opening up. There are a lot of practitioners going back to work in gloves and lab coats and face shields and masks. I, I, I know that a number of my friends that have been working recently, they talk about how hard it is because all they've got is the eyes to go on when they're with people. And it's, it's so difficult to feel like they're connected. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts about this. One, I've been doing a lot of telehealth sessions, the, the online sessions with people. Mm-hmm. And I encourage, I encourage clinicians to do, to offer that because we can, we can see the whole face for one thing, you know, so we can see like all those ventral vagal functions of, you know, managing the, the little wrinkles around the eyes that show that you're smiling, you know, that the smile wrinkles, all that is ventral vagal connection. So we can offer more of that to people in video than we can face to face with a mask on. Even with, when we meet people personally, even with a mask, pay attention to what your face is speaking so that you're inviting your ventral vagus to let your eyes sparkle and be conscious about that so that you're actually nourishing, you're, you're kind of stroking their ventral vagus by offering yours. It's kind of an entrainment thing, right? It's an entrainment thing. If you can put yourself in that state, it's easier for other people to fall in with that. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. The other interesting function of the ventral vagus is around tone of voice and, and mm-hmm. voice prosody, the, the, the lilt in the voice. So... If we have, which actually I think relates directly to the small intestine. Here we've got small intestine 19, listening palace. Its job is to sort the pure from the impure in the world of sound. So we can be conscious about elongating our syllables. Good morning. Sounds real different than good morning. Mm -hmm. Or having some up and down in our voice, that lilt like that, that signals safety rather than we're going to be in room three today, you hear a difference, right? So there are ways that we can access the ventral vagus with our facial expression and the sound and tone of our voice and the warmth that we have. 
And there's another thing that I do that is a little out there, but it's been pretty amazing, is I use the kidney adrenal hold through the video screen. So I will direct my attention and intention. I usually use the right kidney. And I, I go through a process. I always ask permission. I, this is going to sound a little weird, but I'd actually like to have us think about me holding your kidney from where you're sitting. Sometimes people will actually lie down for it. Will they put their hand on the kidney so they can feel something? They, they can, although that's kind of an awkward position. Um, I do encourage people to get a hot water bottle and put it behind their kidneys in the night or during the day. <laughs> Um, or to get a, a yoga eye pillow and warm it up in the microwave if they have one and lie on it. Maybe they get two and put one behind each kidney. Because if when the kidney gets aroused, it gets hard. Like we get braced, right? We clutch up, we get braced. And it, the adrenal gland sits right on top of there. And it's going to cause the adrenal gland to go into squirt, 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 high alert. And, and all we can be is activated. If there's adrenaline coursing through our system, we can't be anything different. We don't get a choice about that. We don't do get we? a choice about that. So if we can get the kidney to soften and let go and sink, then it's not going to be stimulating. It's not going to be communicating that threat response to the heart. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. I love the idea of heat because the Shaoyan layer is about metabolic heat and fire. You know, and so often when there's a, an issue and there's some kind of illness, I mean, you look at like herbal formulas for Shaoyan problems, they all have futsa and ganjang and all these hot herbs because, because the cold is both the source and the result of that kind of, uh, of a damage to the kidney. And think about the freeze response. There, there's the word freeze right there, yeah. that right there. So we need to warm the kidney in order to mitigate the freeze response with a hot water bottle, high tech. Yeah. yeah. Hot water bottle heating. You know, I don't so much like a heating pad because I think the electricity in the heating pad mucks with something that's, you know, that's a technical term, but um, I do like w warm uh, yoga eye pillows or hot water bottles. Well, the kidney's a water organ, right? What happens, what, I'll tell you a story. I did this with, a, with someone just last week. I was holding her kidney, and there's, there's something that happens 
when someone's attention is on their kidney and I'm on their kidney too. There's some kind of connection that's pretty, pretty amazing. She started to have a sensation of an ache in her heart, and I could feel that, con- that kidney heart connection through my hand as well. And we just had her stay with that ache in her heart. And it was an ache, it was a sadness for the world. It was a sadness for what the world is going through. And it was creating a little bit of a tight, braced, painful state in her heart. And we, I just stayed on her kidney, and we were just quiet together. And before very long, the ache in the heart left. The sadness remained. The concern for the world remained, but the ache left. So her heart, this is my interpretation, her heart was still able to hold the world with the love and kindness that the heart has capable of, but she wasn't hurting herself by creating a braced state in her heart. The brace left her heart, the ache left her heart, and her heart was able to love on a weep, you know? I mean, that's the kind of vibration that we need to be creating in the world today that's so hard to access. And you're doing this to some degree with words and and connection. You may not be connected in person, in person, face-to-face in the same room, but you're still using that fire element of connection in the social milieu and one person attentively being with another person, which, I mean, just one person attentively being with another person goes a long way in allowing other possibilities to arise. I'd like to circle back and dig into these older traumas that might be coming up and out. I I know I don't spend a lot of time with the media, but I, you know, a little, I, I try not to be, I try to be misinformed and not uninformed when it comes to that. And, you know, one of the things that, that you'll see you know, in newspapers and such is, you know, increased incidents of, you know, domestic violence and, you know, people that have been doing pretty good in their drug recovery or alcohol recovery, it, you know, they're having, they're struggling. You know, again, what you were saying, if there is some kind of underlying trauma or difficulty and hasn't been resolved, this moment in time is going to give us that opportunity to bring that up and maybe change it for the better. So I'd like to know more about how you're working with that, with people and people that are listening to this right now, what they can do to help, well, maybe help themselves first because there's that, but also be able to help our communities. I'd like to talk about the help themselves part first because- mm-hmm. put, put, put your own mask on before- uh... Yeah. Absolutely. If there's some way that we are feeling anxious, afraid, pissed off, any of the absolutely normal states of being in the current reality, if we're in in that if that vibration is living in in us, we should not be putting our hands on people. So so physically putting our hands on people or even like you were talking through a through a, a video connection. 
we should be very cautious about how we're interacting. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think especially our, our physical hands on people, like the consideration of going back to work. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand that there are many vectors and many factors involved in a, the decision to go back to work. Some of them economic, but if you're driven exclusively by economics and you're absolutely frightened to death that you're either going to be harming yourself or, or harming your family by bringing contact back home. Or if that's an overwhelming fear, I I really suggest cultivating some online skills, some, some video conferencing skills for tracking the energy body, helping people, you know, acupressure, teaching acupressure points, using herbs, dietary advice, all the relationship building, the kidney adrenal hold through the the internet. I'm actually teaching a course right now that involves teaching people how to do that through the internet. It's called the context for caring after COVID and not go to touching people until you feel safe, until we're regulated. More than our words, our vibration gets transmitted more. I mean, our own regulation is our most important tool in our toolkit. And so if we're not regulated, we're, we're maybe not being that helpful to, well, we're, we're not being helpful to people. I think so. Especially if our clients now, especially the ones that experience some kind of earlier prenatal trauma or other experiences of inescapable attack threat, all of that is up for them. For, so for them to even walk into our office requires some level of brace response, dual attention. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to override that and come in and, and poke me, you know, go, go ahead, poke me, help me get better. You know, we, we can't help someone. We, our needles will not be so effective if someone's in a totally braced state. They'll, they'll hurt more. And there won't be enough uh, flexibility in the system to carry the chi that's stimulated by our needle if they're overriding their brace and remaining braced. Similarly, if they're in a collapsed state and they're really flaccid, there won't be enough tone to carry the chi. So there has to be some way to help people be just a little bit more regulated so that their vector of their chi is moving towards regulation, either down from hyperarousal or up from from hypoarousal, from collapse. And that could be with a few online sessions where you're holding their kidney through the camera. Or even a few online sessions where you're you're just being connected, however you connect. That's right. That's right. This is this is a really helpful this is really helpful for me because I've been thinking about, well, when do I open my clinic back up? And there's this thing in me that's like, I'm not ready to do that yet. And and I've got friends that that are seeing people and they're asking me like, well, why aren't you ready? It's just like, I don't know. I just don't feel it. I just know. I just know. And what you were just saying about the practitioner needs to be regulated. The practitioner needs to be sort of comfortable in their own bones. And when I see pictures of people and they're wearing lab coats and gloves and a face mask and a face shield, I just, I feel like I, I'm stepping back a few feet. It's like, whoa, I don't think I want to, whatever that is that you're protecting yourself from, I don't want to be near that. 
Well, that's my sense too. It's like if I need to have, this is my feeling and other people may have other feelings, you know? Obviously we all have our own way of, of working it. This is not prescriptive here. It's descriptive. But if I need that much gear on in order to keep me safe, then I'm not safe. Thank you. That's that, that really rings true for me. Now, in my case, I also was a C-section baby scheduled two weeks early. So I never had the opportunity to choose when I took birth. So anybody who tries to push me to do something before I'm ready, I, I have a, a little arousal around that. So that's an example of an, an early threat being triggered right now. I don't, I, I don't want anybody to push me to go back to work until I feel comfortable. So it's not that I'm not working. I am working. I'm trying to make every contribution I can to help regulate our social context and offer sessions online. I'm doing it within a context that feels comfortable to me. But I, and I'm watching myself. You know, I'm having an observer about when's this going to be right? How am I going to know it's right? You know, and listening, there's this concept called interoception. Mm, tell us about that. I've, I've, I've heard that phrase used quite a bit lately. It's how we know in our guts what's true. So it's not a cognitive knowing. It's a, it's a vibrational knowing. And it comes from our, from our guts. It comes from our enteric brain, our belly brain. And so if we have that early trauma stuff, where the belly brain had to get turned off by high sympathetic arousal, it's going to be challenging for us to know in our guts what's, what's true and what's false. So I knew in my guts that I could trust this fellow. I knew in my guts that he wasn't trustworthy. Those kinds of distinctions, we may be wrong about who's to be trusted and who isn't to be trusted if our guts have been compromised by habituated freeze in our belly brain, compromised peristalsis, compromised interoception, compromised gut biome, compromised earth center of life, our ability to make those good decisions. So then we end up doing stupid stuff, like shooting a black man because he's jogging in the neighborhood. I mean, that's not just stupid. It's completely devoid of ventral vagus. That's a really interesting perspective to put on it that the perpetrator is completely just just looking at that from this whole physiologic point of view it's not necessarily that the perpetrator is a bad person or you know somehow flawed their physiology did not allow for the possibility that it could be different well, and I think that's the foundation of bullying schools with kids, you know, or or any kind of impulsive violence. It's like that person chose to did not have a ventral vagus to mitigate arousal in their fight or flight response. And so they that whole question, is it a rope or a snake? They always see snake. They always see snake. They, they don't have access to that neocortex that makes thoughtful, compassionate decisions. And with the current situation that we're in, with the inescape, that sense of inescapable attack, wherever we go, it's unsafe, I'm unsafe, then those resources for ourselves 
they're more offline. That's right. And that's, that's what makes like <laughs> our nation needs our healers. You know, like we are so important because when one person is more regulated, everybody in their household is more regulated, mm -hmm. you know, and we're seeing, like you said, rising problems with it, with addictive substances, rising. I mean, there are school systems in, in, in my county, in, in my area that are reporting bullying in the chat rooms in public schools. And the teacher can't see the chat room to, to manage the bullying. Right, because people can chat privately to each other. Right. So, I mean, the, that kid is out of social engagement. He's not. He's not seeing his classmate or her classmate as a as a human being. You know, they're just someone to abuse. So I can, you know, that like their their uh, uh, sympathetic nervous system is high without any control by the ventral parasympathetic. And we know from the online world, because we don't have those cues that we give each other that say, I'm a human being and I'm in connection with you, the very worst parts of us so easily come out. So I want us all to be out there working in ways that feel safe. And that's going to be different in different communities. There's some places where the, the wave is going down enough. So there's very little risk in being face to face. There are other places where the risk is very high and we should be um, working online with people. But I really encourage everybody to be working as much as you can to, and even in your own neighborhood, you know, to be kind to when you see people, you can smile when you pass people on the path with your mask on and they can know in your eyes because they are part of ventricular connection that you're smiling at them. Have a kind word. Greetings. So glad you're out here. Thanks for wearing a mask. You know, even in an audio, no visual situation, if you're smiling, your voice will sound different. So that, I mean, that stuff comes through because it, because it's coming through us. Our entire system is responding either to a higher arousal or a more regulated state. Because it's all a vibration. And actually the heart's vibration, the electromagnetic field of the heart is the strongest electromagnetic field in our body and sends a vibration out that's regulating. <laughs> we know that. Which is, which is why a good family dinner is super nourishing. Right. And, a, and a conflicted family dinner. I think about my own experience. I think, you know, I, I hear from patients, you know, oh, that big argument over dinner, right? Those, those, are, those are really hard. Whereas an experience of sitting together being together, enjoying each other's company is, is nourishing on all levels. So I really appreciate your point of view here that we can do work with people online. We can do work with ourselves. In some ways, we help our patients online by the way that we are in our neighborhoods because of the way that we take care of ourselves. is You could think of it as self-cultivation, I suppose. That's right. What are some other things that we can do in this social milieu and some other things? So, so two, it's, there's two parts to this question. One's very broad. What can we do in our social milieu to keep helping ourselves and helping others? And then 
specifically, especially if people are having some problems with this trauma re-arising, in addition to like the kidney hold, what are some things that we can do, especially if we're not face-to-face with people because we're not comfortable with it and they're not comfortable with it? Right. Right. I think one thing is in my online sessions, I often invite people to bring someone to mind who holds them in high regard and to invite that person to come sit with us. So it could be a two-legged person. It could be a four-legged creature. It could be someone alive, someone dead. Someone long, could be a movie star or it could be a, a spirit being, you know, a, 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 an entity that doesn't have legs at all. But you know when they're present with you, you're touched. You feel loved. You feel held in high regard. And so when we bring this kind of a, an imagination into the room, it becomes real. And people can actually notice their breath deepen. All of a sudden, they feel a little more present in the chair. Their body feels a little squishier, like a little more spread out. It's not being held quite so upright and tight, you know. And, and maybe they can even invite a second person. And you can ask them, so where are they? Well, they're right, right here on my left shoulder. Or they're sitting in the chair beside me. Or they're, they're floating overhead. Or I can see them when I look straight ahead. Or, you know. But let them really visualize this person and really embody an, an experience of this person or creature or spirit. And, and help them to notice what happens in their sensations. So when they notice in their sensations... Well, my breath just got deeper. I felt a tingle go down my leg, you know, something like that. That's inviting the chi to return back to their body. Because when we feel, when that collapse happens, our chi exits. <laughs> like when, when we're frozen, we don't have chi present. And we feel very alone. And we feel very alone. And especially people who are living alone right now, who don't have a, like, I also encourage people to get pets. Pets with a limbic system. So a fish is not nearly as good as a, as a dog or a cat you know, or, or even a mouse, you know, but um, a mammal. So and I also at the end of a session, hopefully the person feels more regulated and I can notice that, too. I'll ask them to, to kind of bookmark this state of greater regulation. Notice how it feels to have grandma on your right and your old dog yeller, Lassie, whoever it is on your lap or on your left or sitting on your feet or, you know, wherever. Notice what happens when you're there with them. And I want you to practice coming back to this state. As you fall asleep tonight, bring them with you. Mm-hmm. In a quiet moment, take your, bring yourself back here. So you're asking the synapses to rehearse more regulation. And you're dropping little pebbles in their pond of states, not just a a mental memory, but a body state memory. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler 
to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole physical sense that goes with that. I'm thinking about how so much of our world and society these days, especially with the with the internet and the electronic communication we have, it's taking people in that opposite direction of what you were just talking about. And it and that is readily available. It goes into the senses without really any sort of filtering. And so being able to, I mean, I just love the way that you phrase it, to invite someone in who holds you in high regard. Not that you're holding them in high regard. I mean, maybe you do, and and that's fine. But to recognize that when someone else holds you in high regard, that's that's an interesting take. When I start to think about that, I go, oh, right. There's a there is that part of me that certain people go, I'm really happy to be around that. It's easy to forget that part of ourselves. I used to ask people to bring someone with whom they felt safe. And the problem with that is that it triggered feelings of unsafety, particularly mm-hmm. among people who've ex- who have this kind of inboard, inescapable attack place. Well, I don't feel safe anywhere. You know, so then you're you're making them wrong again, you know, and it it triggers into shame or I, I'm so broken, I can't find safety, you know, there's something deeply wrong with me, you know. So, but most of us have someone who holds us in high regard. Even if we feel profoundly unlovable, and some of us do. So I don't ask for someone who loves you either. <laughs> I might slip that in later. You know, when they tell me what was their grandma's, did she love you? Yeah, she really loved me. I'm quite um what's the word here? I'm I'm entranced in a way by the language that you're using and the thoughtfulness behind the language that in asking to bring forth a sense of someone who regards you you're you're asking for a sense of regard to come forward. If you talk about safety, well, that could backfire if safety is a big issue. If you're talking about love with the very best of intentions, hey, think about someone who loves you. Well, you know, maybe the person that really loves you or you really love, maybe there's big issues. So these things can be really loaded. But someone who holds you in high regard, that feels safe and that feels doable. Let me just also notice that your face gets a little soft when you think about it. So for those that are listening, 
we have a video connection as well that that's just part of the software that we use. So, so you, you can hear Elaine say yeah. things like that. It's, uh, it's nice to see. And it's helpful to hear it fed back. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because often we don't notice that kind of thing ourselves. I mean, this is why being in person can be so helpful because in a session with somebody, you could actually point that out. You know, when you brought your favorite aunt to mind, I noticed that the color in your face changed. I wonder what that feels like when the color in your face changed. Then you're inviting the chi to come into more awareness, more felt sense, and it's embodied in a, in a different way, in a deeper way. It sounds like you use questions to help people become more familiar with their internal environment. I, I really want people to embody what they're notice, what they're experiencing more than have me tell them what they're experiencing. Did I just see a deeper breath? Well, yeah, I think so. Did I hear your belly gurgle? Was that what I, was that what that was? Great. Yeah. That I, I always love hearing that belly gurgle. I, it, it's music to my ears and people always apologize about it. I know. But what it means is that arousal from the liver that had to shut down the spleen and stomach in order to have enough blood and chi in the limbs to fight or flight. And that got habituated. And so the guts don't move so readily. All of a sudden that's clamped down is lightened up enough for a little peristalsis. And I love the word borborygmia to happen. And it means that the, the parasympathetic nervous system is coming back on board in a regulated way. Yeah. And the earth element in its its nourishment is is, is coming back online. I, I want to slip into some of our elemental thinking here for a moment. I want to run something by you because I was I always think about these conversations before I have them. I don't have you know any kind of script or anything, but I've I've usually got some questions in my own mind about things, and it it seems to me in this moment that we're living through now, I mean, I'll be curious for people to listen to this a few years down the road, but at least for uh, late spring, early summer, 2020, there seems to be a huge sense of grief. And along with that huge sense of grief, there is this really being cut off from our social connections. So the heart the fire of the heart that comes from our being able to communicate with others, to be in relationship, to be in connection, that's really taking a hit. On the other side, we've lost a way of life very quickly. And I think a lot of us are are grieving the change in our world. And so the thing that usually would regulate the grief, the connection, the heart, the fire, that's also taken a hit. How do we work through a situation like that? I actually have some very complex thoughts about that. May I share them? <laughs> Absolutely. So I have this sense that the world has been in grief. That mm. we've got climate change and the, the loss of species and, and ways of living related to warming climate. We've got a war that won't end and, and deaths happening that aren't even being reported hardly anymore. 
they're so commonplace in the world. We've got violence in our communities that is in too often either state sanctioned or or state ignored, particularly racist racial violence. We've got an a worldwide pattern of immigration of people having to leave the land of their ancestors because they can't live there anymore, and then being met with something lacking welcome. So there's grief all over the world, and and I'm sure there and then there are the personal griefs, but my sense is that that worldwide grief actually created the energetic field for a virus that attacks the lung to take shape and form. It's a little out there, but it's curious to me that the lung is where this virus primarily lands. Now, and then, I've been thinking about this lately too, then it seems that people die of what they're calling a cytokine storm. The cytokines are like these messengers to the immune system that when they're high, they don't regulate the immune system well. So they, they trigger it to be on high alert. So it's almost like it jumps on top of an autoimmune disorder and makes it even, even more. Well, it, it encourages it. It like uh, literally inflames or incites the immune system to like kick into high gear there are moments that is really helpful. There are moments that is really helpful, but if it stays in high gear, it's a problem. So I'm thinking in Chinese terms, is that are the cytokines in some way reflective of that function of the heart to tell the kingdom of the body to get in gear, all the fire trucks need to go out and we need to, we need to be firing on all cylinders. Um, because the cytokines, when they're regulated, they also communicate equanimity, just like the heart does. So that function of the heart to communicate through the blood pulse, either alarm or equanimity, is somehow reflective of the cytokines. So here we got the heart and lung roommates up here in the, in the sacred chamber of the chest. And mm -hmm. speaking to each other, and the heart going into high alarm, at the request of the kidney and sending out these cytokines. It's kind of fascinating to me. I, I think it, yes, it is fascinating. And you can look at this from the point of view of Chinese medicine, like you just did. We can easily see this in the hormone responses that happen with adrenaline. We can see it in the biophysi, bio neurophysiology with uh, the vagus nerve. It, yeah, we've got all these different ways of looking at it. I'm I'm particularly touched by your perspective that there's all these things in the world that have touched our grief in, in, in a world sense. And now we have this virus that goes through. It's not an epidemic where there's just one part of the world that's suffering. The whole world is in this state. And then you take and you put that on top of all these other things. When you describe people leaving their ancestral lands because they can't live there, people aren't doing that because they want to. It's like, this is not, it's, oh, it's, I know it's a good idea. I'm going to leave my ancestral home. Who does that willingly? Yeah. So, and then we put this other thing on top of it. So the whole world is very, is very dysregulated. 
And the thing about regulation in the kidney heart axis, when it's regulated, then the sympathetic nervous system, the wood element, can, the, the, the sympathetic is always on. It's never turned off. So that's the, the relevance of the, our medicine referring to the liver as benevolence. Like benevolence is the spiritual quality of the liver. Its job is to protect and defend not just ourselves, but to protect and defend those who, are, who need protection and defense. So I'm thinking that if we can get the world's kidney heart access into better regulation, we're going to give rise to people who can take heroic action for the benefit of the world to protect and defend in regulated ways to help those immigrants, to help those communities that are full of violence, to help the people with health disparities, the basis for the health disparities, to, to help issues of drug addiction and issues of war and peace. I mean, we need like heroic and brave actions. And this is an opportunity that's asking this to come forth. Like you were saying earlier, there's traumas, there's difficulties that many of us have had. The callus on that is thinning. So this is an opportunity for transformational healing. Not just of us as individuals, but when I can get really big, it's really, you know, it's like it's a calling to transform a whole lot of big stuff. And to do it one vibration at a time. Mm-hmm. Step by step, grab hold. I love the language, grab hold. You talk a lot about holding people. So it sounds like heart kidney is a good place to start. If you don't know where to start, heart kidney is probably a good place to begin. Create some regulation in that axis. And then the next layer down will emerge for what needs support. But get that axis in some kind of regulation. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the wood element that needs help. Maybe it's the earth element. This is what I love so much about the kind of medicine we practice. We can begin with something. We don't know what the next step is. We got some ideas of what it might be, but we can start with one thing. We can be attentive. We can see where it goes. We can track and follow any individual through their process of finding some regulation and recovery. Beautiful thing about those five phases. I'm with you. Elaine, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wind it down for today? The only thing I would say is that I do have this class. It's called The Context for Caring After COVID. You'll find information about it on my website, which is integrativehealingworks.net. And I'd love to hear from you and continue to problem solve together about how we can help support healing in our world and in our communities and in our families and households. Okay. And, and this, this class, does it also, is this about in-person work or is this really about also being able to do stuff online? It's about understanding this complex dynamic in the nervous system and how it relates to Chinese medicine, all the polyvagal stuff. And then it does go through um, the kidney adrenal hold, both online and in person. And it offers an experience of the online version for people to, to actually do in a breakout session during the class. Well, wonderful. As ever, I come away from our conversations more curious about this psycho-neuro-social connection that we all share. So, so thanks so much for 
lighting that up. Yeah. I love the curiosity. Bye for now. Thank you, Michael. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.